Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Mudgear, makers of the best training and racing gear in OCR. Mudgear was the first compression gear built tough enough to help you conquer obstacles. When you race this season, look on the podium. You'll see top pros wearing Mudgear. Built tougher for OCR and made in the USA. Nothing else compares on the course. Check it out at mudgear.com and use my promo code DHP for a 10% discount off your order. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, here we are. I'm back, and uh, this is an interesting week. We're going out to Bonefrog on the East Coast, New Jersey. Very excited about that. Going to do a clinic there. First time ever that we've actually done a running clinic on the actual course the day before the actual event was going to take place. So I'm very, very excited about that. Lots of friends out there that I'm looking forward to seeing on the East Coast. And I want to get this podcast out before I go. And I set it out to social media, said, hey, folks, what would you like to hear me talk about? Who might be a good person to speak with? And lo and behold, one of my young guns, I like to refer to them as, offered up her talents as a spokesmodel. We thought we'd bring her on. Her name is Kelly Schweikart. Did I say it right that time? Schweikart. Schweikart. That's what I said, right? I keep, yep. I keep wanting to say Schweihart. I used to have a guy that uh, was a roommate back in the day that was, his name was Schweihart. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> we called him Sweaty for short. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Got fair share of nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, you know, getting into the pro ranks, you might need this moniker, right? Maybe Callie Schweaty. Oh, sounds great. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it does. <laughs> So Kelly, welcome to the Natural Running Network podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm really ex- excited to be on. I mean, I've listened to your podcast for a long time, and uh, I've been coached by you now for almost a year. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just really excited to chat. Let's try to do this chronologically. What do you think? Sure. Now let's kind of talk about the relationship we have. So I remember back 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 in the day when we were kind of communicating back and forth, how you were hoping to get into one of the clinics and oblah de oblah da. Can you kind of share how this this all came about, what transpired between you and I? Sure. Um, so I started kind of uh, on the Spartan scene on my uh, in my year off from college. And I started with Yancey Camp. I started training um, with Yancey and through Yancey, I had heard so many amazing things about these Richard Diaz clinics and, um, me not coming from a running background, coming from a goalkeeping background for soccer. Um, I wanted to do everything I could to improve my running and I knew I needed some help. So, uh, I was desperate to get to one of these clinics and it just so happened that you were coming to Killington, Vermont, um, in July of 2017. So I, signed up after having uh, chatted with you a little bit, chatted with Yancey and all the other people who have been to your clinics. 
And, um, so actually my, my dad came with me cause he's, he likes to run, he likes to work out. Um, so we went together kind of just to check it out and it was amazing. Um, we got our VO2 and, um, resting metabolic tests, um, which was really cool just to learn where, uh, where you are in terms of your efficiencies at different speeds, what, uh, heart rates you should be training in, which was a big thing for me because, um, it, it didn't feel right using those, um, uh, what's the word canned equations online. Um, so it was really cool to get the right data to use for my training. And, um, after the clinic, the two day clinic with the testing and the training on the field and running up hills and that awesome workout you put us through, um, we actually got together um, and you became my coach. Uh, after what happened, I was really encouraged by what you had to say and what you were teaching me. And um, I would hope you saw something in me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we've worked together since, uh, actually it was like early August when we kind of started training. And since then it's been like amazing it's just to watch the progress and um, to feel so much stronger as a runner has been really cool. Let me tell you the backstory. That's your part. Let me tell you my part. Sitting out in the backyard by the pool. Uh, well, obviously it was still summertime and uh, my wife and I are kicking back, listening to a little music. I think we were sharing a bottle of wine and I was uh, enjoying a nice Cohiba Cuban cigar and we were just kind of reminiscing over the circumstances that just transpired I mean we just got back and and we started talking about the event and we talked about you and I said you know that Kelly was tough she's you know she got up those hills and started beating on people and just like a little young hunting dog you just couldn't seem to get enough of what we were doing and pretty ambitious and we we're just having this conversation and yeah she was you know a young girl nice girl la 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 and uh, i said you know what let's let's get her on board let, let me let me call her up and tell her i want to coach her my wife goes yeah you should do that you know so i got a hold of you. i don't know if i called you or i messaged you do you remember yeah it was a it was a facebook message i All just right. remember being like oh my gosh that's so cool <laughs> all right so there we go we got a new hunting dog and then we put you to work and, uh, you know, the ambition never seemed to subside. You, you, to this day, you're very ambitious. You're staying on top of me to make sure your workouts are, are on <laughs> tap so you can get your business done. And we've run into some success, right? Uh, definitely. Well, um, about three weeks after you started coaching me, I hit my first podium, which was, um, at the West Point Spartan Sprint. Um, and that had been a long time goal for me since, uh, first competing in elite in 2017. So I went from kind of it back in that same year in April. Um, I was kind of middle of the ranks elite. I placed like 15th at the New Jersey beast in April of 2017 and really just wanted to, um, get up there. And so I had been working hard, but not seeing the improvements that I wanted. And then after starting working with you, um, I made, top 10 the same week in Boston and then hit the podium, got second place at the sprint. So, um, it was just amazing to see that progress, just to have that, um, the coach who knows so much about running, whereas I knew really nothing. Um, and to see what a dedicated and structured run training program, 
um, will do for you. Not only that, but also learning how to run well. So um, after the clinic, um, changing my form, um, working on these drills, all these things to get me moving more efficiently. And um, I think that really um, helped with the progress too. And then continuing to work with you, um, I did well and I surpassed my goals in Tahoe um, after that silly foot injury that I had. Um, and then I ended up winning the New Jersey super in November, um, which was really awesome. That was like a dream come true. So, um, yeah. And it's just been onward and upward since then. Yeah. So that was in November of 2017. And then after the off season, there have been the Spartan championship races and everything. And then I'd say the highlight of my season so far was winning the New Jersey beast in April. Um, that was amazing. Um, it was an awesome race and I just felt really strong with my running and that's what the competitors were, had noticed about me. They came up to me afterwards, like, how are you so fast on those hills? And, um, cause I'm not the most obstacle proficient, uh, I'm working on it, but, um, yeah, I just, I, the things I've noticed with my, my running and how I feel climbing those mountains, like you can see the difference obviously, because I went from 15th in 2017 at the New Jersey beast to winning it this year. So, um, it's been really, really cool. Um, just, and I'm a big data person too, and I know you are. Um, so just looking at the numbers and watching and tracking heart rate and paces and just seeing all your improvements over time is really rewarding and exciting. What was the difference in your finish time between this year and the previous year? Uh, it was about an hour and five minutes. Wow. So yeah. You, yeah. You dropped an hour and five minutes from the the time it took to finish the race? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think my, my obstacle proficiency was a little better this year. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all in the running. I remember the year before I was like power hiking most of it. And, uh, this year I, didn't have to power hike much of it at all. I mean, there are some steep climbs in New Jersey. It's a ski resort, but, um, yeah, it was, it just felt more runnable. I felt more comfortable and I was right up there with the lead pack the whole time. So it was cool. Now you told me it was probably a week after your success at that event. You confessed to me that you actually missed or failed five obstacles, which means that you had to do a buttload of burpees Kind of talk to me about that. You, you, the person that was kind of back and forth with you for second place. I just imagine her revelation of the whole thing was pretty uh, profound. Yeah. So <laughs> I wasn't sure if I should mention that or not because I'm just so um, annoyed with myself. Like five obstacles. Uh, someone actually asked me when I told them that they were like, "Are there even five obstacles to fail?" Um, <laughs> which is kind of sad. But, um, yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of a wet day, but, um, so some of the grip stuff tripped me up, but there were also penalty loops. So I ended up doing three sets of burpees and then two penalty loops for these obstacles. Um, but what happened was it was me and the leader for about the first mile. And, uh, I found out after the race, she was a collegiate 800 meter runner. Um, and she kind of, she took off. I couldn't see her most of the time. Um, and it was me and this girl battling for second place and this girl, um, this other person battling for second place, I mean, uh, is very obstacle proficient. So what would happen is I would run ahead of her 
And then I fail an obstacle and she'd come and pass me for a minute and then I'd catch her on the running again. And, um, at the end, I think she was a little frustrated because she'd have this hope, um, after I passed her, you know, um, oh, okay, I've, I've got the lead now, but then I'd come right back. So I was upset with my, um, my failures obstacle wise, but I was really proud of my running ability and my endurance, um, in being able to pick it up each time. And then it just so ended up that, uh, after the last obstacle that I ended up failing, which was uh, of course the spear, it's the only race this year that I've missed the spear, but I missed the spear. And, um, there was about, let's see, three miles, I think to the finish line at that point, And uh, I just told myself I should try to put a gap on this girl if I fail another thing, like the rig at the end, which luckily I didn't. Um, and I ended up putting a 16 minute gap on her by the mm-hmm. end, like three miles. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was like crazy. I don't even know. I don't know if it was a, adre- it was obviously the training I'd put in, but uh, the adrenaline going, I was like, okay, well I need as much time as I can get. And I guess I got a lot of time and pushing that hard enabled me to catch first place about, a half mile from the finish line at the Herkhoist, which I love that obstacle. So, um, I caught her there, passed her and got through the rig and the rope and took the win. It was, it was so awesome. It nice. was a lot. Of- you know, and, um, the workouts that were leading up to that event, I had some people criticize my rationale for, for offering up so much work when a lot of people might've been tapering for a beast. What were your thoughts about that when it occurred? Uh, well, I could definitely feel, um, the effects of the training for the race. Like I felt really prepared, um, going in, but I, and you know, this too, I was definitely nervous when I saw what you put on my schedule. So, um, in the week leading up to it, uh, the week before the taper, um, I think we hit about 80 miles or so and, um, or maybe a little more. Um, and the two big days were a four hour easy run and then a 20 mile time trial with like intervals and, um, me being like the nervous Nelly that I am, um, and knowing, you know, like you don't want to overload, uh, your system, the risk of injury is high. Like you don't want to do too much. Um, I, I reached out to you and I was like, is, is this what you meant for me to do? And you were like, yeah. Um, but I mean, if you, if you're not feeling great that second day after the easy run the day prior, then don't push it. But if you can do it, do it. So, uh, it just so happened that I felt great that first day, that easy run, just having fun. I live in a very mountainy trail area. So, um, it's fun to just go out and have those nice long, easy days. And then I got out the second day for the 20 miler and I felt fantastic. And I I don't know why, but, um, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. And it it was a real big confidence booster too, because by the end of it, I was still feeling strong and, um, I knew I had put in the work to, um, have the endurance for the race and just having those big back-to-back days and still feeling good afterwards, um, was like I said, a huge confidence builder and definitely a fitness builder because, uh, I think they helped me immensely. Now, just for clarity's sake, between those two days, collectively you put on what a little over 40 miles. Yeah, it was about 43 or 44, I think. Yeah. So back to back 20 milers. And that was the weekend prior to the race weekend, right? 
Yes. Yeah, I had some people get back to me and say, oh, you know, I don't know whether that's prudent to do that. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit on the fence about it, but I really felt strongly that that lead up and that work would make a big difference for you, especially if we were to respect somewhat of a taper going into the week. And because you weren't experiencing any issues physically that we were going to be concerned with, I felt pretty good about it. But at the end of the day, I think the volume that led up to that race gave you the confidence and the energy to, to, to pull it off. And, you know, winning the race by 17, 16 minutes, having failed five obstacles is, it's pretty ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't, um, I didn't win the race by 16 minutes. I put a gap on the girl behind me by 16 minutes. Um, so I ended up passing the leader and beat her by like a minute and a half. But then the third place girl who I'd been battling with that um, but yeah, no, it was still insane to come back from that after five obstacle failures. Um, right. and I do credit it to the training beforehand and, um, yeah, I was nervous about it too. Um, and it's not something we do all the time. It's, uh, not a very common thing to do in training. It's not like I'm putting that in all the time, but, um, yeah, I, I would say that it did give me the confidence and the endurance and yeah, the, the energy and ability to get through that race. So the the prior year, what do you think your volume looked like leading up to that race? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> I wasn't I I wasn't really doing much running training at all. Um, I think I had just signed on uh, with Yancey Camp at that point, or I, maybe so. I was probably maybe doing like twenty five miles a week, if that, um, and. Otherwise, I was kind of just taking the strength training knowledge I had learned from um, playing soccer in college and kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fit. I'm strong. I run a little bit. Um, I should be good. And I, I did OK. But um, I see the value in um, the building of volume, especially obviously you don't want to just build volume if uh, you're not learning how to run properly and you're not taking the proper steps to make sure that volume is done at the proper intensities. But, um, under your guidance, I like having a, an experienced running coach and that knowledge of running and building that volume is, I feel like it's critical. Um, just especially for someone like me who doesn't really have a base under her belt. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't run in high school. I played soccer and basketball and I played soccer in college, but I was a goalkeeper. So yeah, I, I think that build in volume has really, really helped me. When we met, you were injured. I think you were having some issues, a little bit of plantar fasciitis, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that and I, it was around my heel, but also the posterior tibial tendon. Right. Yeah. Um, that was nagging me for right. sure. And that, that was kind of persistent for a while, right? Oh, yeah. It had been for um, a few months. Right. And then I recall that even early on, we battled with it. I mean, you were... Frustrated with your inability to try to do the things I was asking you to do and me trying to find ways to get around the injury and keep you fit. And at, as time evolved, you kind of grew out of it. You Your form started to improve. And through all of that, got to a place where I had the confidence of knowing that I can throw the work at you and you'd be able to do it. Does that seem pretty accurate? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, th I think learning how to run more efficiently... Um, 
and like proper form through your drills, through your clinics, um, has been huge for me. I've definitely noticed a difference there. Um, just working on, I was definitely over striding. Um, my cadence, uh, I know, uh, was, I think around probably right around that, uh, recreational runner average, like that 160. Um, and I was heel striking and over pronating and, um, as a result of the heel striking. So working on cadence and form and proper foot strike, everything has, uh, really helped me along. All right. So let me ask you some kind of global questions because I talk about this stuff all the time. Nobody wants to hear it from me anymore. I, I like to have somebody that's got the experience of having gone through it, speak their mind. And so let me just toss a few things. First of all, there are people that are of the camp that your running is a natural process that you should mess with it. The way you run is the way you run and you shouldn't try to alter the way you run. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I feel like I kind of came from that camp for a while. Um, but seeing how altering my running has helped me, I can't say I'm in that camp anymore. Um, I feel like there is like, I, I, now that I kind of have learned a lot about proper running form and I see other people running around and I, I notice all these things that they're doing that I think to myself, oh man, if they just change that up a little bit, they could be a little more efficient. Like, obviously there are instances where like people aren't really looking to change their running form. They're just running to feel good or whatever, but, um, or maybe they have a limitation in their like physiology, like an injury or something that I don't know, change the way they move. But for the most part, um, I think you can work. You can, I think you can always work to be a more efficient runner. Um, and, yeah, I've done that for myself and it's been huge. Uh, I think if I were trying to put in the work that I am now using the form that I was using, uh, then like last early last year, um, I'd either be in crippling pain or, um, not making any progress. Uh, yeah. And just not seeing the results that I want. So I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that the way you run is the way you run. I think you can learn to run better. Right. Well, now, kind of looking at it from a, from a perspective of where you came from, think about this, all right? You, you changed the way you move. So you improved your mechanics. You put yourself in a better path, which reduced the nagging injuries that you faced when you tried to experience more volume. And this happens with a lot of people. When we talk about getting up to volume, they, you know, they draw back into their history how whenever they tried to put on, say, for example, 35 or even 40 miles a week, that something goes wrong. So they finally get to a place where they break down. The stress they're putting on their body relative to the inefficiencies in the way they're moving, the flaws in the way they're moving, they break down. They get hurt. And then their option is to back off. They try to recover. They may get some therapy if it gets out of hand. And when they feel like they're no longer injured, they try to go back and they start banging their head against that same wall again because they haven't made the changes that were going to be efficient and help them to get to that better place. So I've seen time and time again where I've gotten people to a place where their running economy and their efficiency has improved to such a state where 
the the number, the volume that we're trying to achieve is not even an issue. I mean, we can always put on more work and not be hurt. You could be tired, you could be sore, but from a standpoint of connective tissue disorders, uh, joint problems, that kind of falls away. You don't seem to have the same types of pains and sorenesses. It usually works out to being obviously just global fatigue that you experience. And, and with time, just like lifting weights, you become stronger and stronger and more capable and able to do more and more. And I think at the end of the day, this is where the success is going to come from in, a, in an endurance event like this. Yeah. And I, I think one of the coolest, um, the, the most interesting points to, uh, to point out is I think in a sense, humans are kind of like made to run. Like we have a physiology for it. And like you've pointed out so many times before you watch a little kid run barefoot in a field and it's most of the time it's like beautiful, like what they're doing, they have great form and they're just light on their feet and, um, nothing's really astray, but then I've definitely noticed the shoes play a role too. So, um, people buy these super cushioned shoes and then they're more, um, prone to heel striking because, Hey, that doesn't really hurt when I'm doing it, but you, you don't know how it's affecting you and up the chain and down the line. Um, but yeah, like, and even running barefoot myself, just trying that out for the first few times, I noticed an immediate change in my running form and how running felt. So, um, I think, there, uh, there are ways definitely that you can make improvements, whether you think so or not, or whether you think your form is your form. Um, I think if you kind of bring it back to the basics, there is kind of a, a way to learn and a way to do it. Okay, cool. Now let's talk about obstacle proficiency. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, somewhere along the way, I need to get your game up there. A little bit. And, yeah. And I think that having already worked towards getting you to this running proficiency, uh, I mean, I know there's some things we still want to work at. I know you want to get faster, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But knowing, I mean, I look at you and I and I told you this before, and I, I'm not afraid to say it in public unless you're offended by it, but I think that your, your capacity to go long is your strong point. I think you... You're going to always do better in the longer races. Uh, you could certainly win shorter distance races depending on who's in the field. But across the board, I think your success is always going to come in the longer races. Would you believe that to be true? I, I definitely agree. And I feel stronger in the longer races. I've never had quite that um, that zip of speed, um, even like thinking back to school and doing like the PE fitness test. Like I've never identified as a sprinter having that speed. And I think it shows in, um, my recent results at, uh, the tuxedo sprint where, um, and it also, the obstacle proficiency comes into play. Uh, I, I was almost hurting more after that sprint than the beast, just because that, that, uh, outright, uh, super fast pace from the start to the finish. It's a quick race um, is something that's kind of out of my element. And, um, I was in the gunning for the podium until I failed twister, which was, it was actually like my best race to date. I only failed one obstacle, but, um, yeah. So, uh, like I was doing pretty well in terms of relative to the field, but in terms of how challenging it was to me, for sure, the sprint 
was um, definitely harder. And I ended up dropping to fifth. So not as quite, not quite as good of a result compared to something like a beast. Um, yeah. So I agree with that for sure. Now, a lot of people might assume based on this conversation that when I write program for you, it is exclusively running. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Can you not touch on that a bit? Uh, yeah. So, um, I wouldn't say that your program is a conventional running program at all. It's not like, um, it's not even like my running and strength is separated most of the time. Um, a lot of times, uh, the workouts, it obviously depends on the day. And sometimes there are runs where it's just an aerobic run and, um, that's, that's it. And yeah, that's conventional, but then you have workouts that mix. It can be running with, uh, strength intervals in between. It can be, you incorporate rowing, um, a, a different cross training, um, modalities as well. But, um, yeah. And then you have some pretty interesting workouts that I think are some of my favorites where, um, it's interval training, um, running. So longer runs, maybe hour, hour and a half. And instead of just, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to go two minutes hard, one minute, one minute easy. It is all based on heart rate. So you have that, um, aerobic start, um, building up, getting warmed up. And then your intervals are prescribed based on your heart rate where, uh, I, I'm instructed to go maybe 10 beats per minute over my aerobic threshold. And, um, so that kind of qualifies as like your tempo, but you're working to, um, uh, process, uh, lactic acid, if I lactate, if I'm right, um, and become more efficient at doing so. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially what I'm trying to do is control the amount of time exposed to the ensuing production of lactate and then control the amount of time that you're allowed to release it. So yeah. uh, there's two processes. Either you're going to ventilate to reduce the ensuing production of lactate through carbon dioxide, and or you're going to shuttle it to regions of your body where it gets to sit for a bit. And then hopefully what will happen is that it's going to get reprocessed into a usable energy source through your liver into working muscle. I don't want to go into a physiology lesson here, but at the end of the day, uh, knowing that we control the time under stress versus the time in recovery and control the intensity even in the recovery versus the time above uh, or at work is what kind of the game is. And so, yeah, you're right. So let, let me ask you, what, what do you think is the most difficult workout I give you? Ooh, um, well, I'd probably say, uh, actually, there you've put two in my schedule within the past few days and coming up that are pretty tough. There's the, uh, the farmer's daughter. I think you've posted about it on social media too. I feel like you're almost famous for it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, hill sprints. So you would, you would sprint up for about 45 seconds and then jog back down and then immediately pick up a load. Um, whether that be dumbbells or a rec bag or something and sprint back up to the top where you were and drop the load and come back down, um, and then repeat that. And then you can intermix, um, burpees and air squats, um, which just <laughs> make it harder. So it ends up being, uh, 10 repetitions of that up, down, up, down, um, one with and one without load. Uh, you finish with, uh, four, 400 meter sprints, which is extremely hard after you've done all that work. Um, 
So that one's really intense. And then the other one that comes to mind, um, which I think you have programmed for me for tomorrow is uh, Hillbreaker number two. And um, that one is literally just 25 air squats into 25 burpees into a 60 to 90 second hill sprint. And you repeat that for an hour. And that one, I don't know if it's the me- the physical or the mental, but um, oh my gosh, it's brutal. Yeah. Well, an hour is a long time to do yeah. it. Yeah. It is. And the farmer's daughter's, uh, the farmer's daughter was kind of an experiment I did with Hunter once upon a time. And it probably dates back about uh, three years ago, I think, that I actually put that on him for the very first time. And to give you a sense of what that looked like, we uh, we brought, I put him, actually we got in the back of his truck and went to this hill that I know that is probably, eh, it's not that crazy steep. It's probably about between 15 and 20% grade max. And from the bottom to the top, probably shy of a minute. And so we loaded up the truck with uh, some wreck bags and a pair of 70 pound dumbbells. And so what I had him do, and I realized I'm experimenting and I'm using him as my guinea pig. I said, All right, here's what I want you to do. I said, I want you to use the dumbbells and do a burpee deadlift. So basically holding onto the dumbbells, kick down into a push up, and then just stand up with the dumbbells do it for 10 repetitions, and then march those dumbbells to the top of the hill, leave them up at the top of the hill, run back down, and then sprint back up, get the dumbbells and bring them back down and repeat the process. And I don't recall how many times we did it, but I remember that he started remembering that he had some appointments that he had to make. <laughs> I remember that pretty pretty uh, precisely. And then we've done it with your wreck bags. We've done it with or without the burpees. We've done it with the air squats at the top. And we've tried different variations. But one of the things that I've noticed commonly as an outcome from that particular workout was that after having loaded like that, when you sprint back up, you notice that progressively your speed improves. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I definitely think, well, I, I, I would assume it has to do with the fact that, okay, you're working extremely hard to sprint up the hill with this heavy load, and then you're suddenly unloaded, and you're, uh, you just feel lighter, just yeah. a little bit. I mean, the hill sprint is still hard if you're going all out, but um, yeah, your speed improves. I actually did notice that um, yesterday. I was like pretty impressed by um, the improvement I had in terms of I use pretty much the same hill for that workout every time. And 45 seconds, um, if you just go that long every time, uh, you'd hope to see that you cover longer distance, go higher up the hill. And that's what happened to me yesterday. I was like, oh, interesting. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I had somebody make a, a kind of analogy about this just the other day, one of my clients. He said, it's like in baseball, when you're in the batter's box, you put that weight on the bat. While you Absolutely. practice your warm-up swing, yep. and, and then you step up to the plate, and then you just have that much more power to to project the ball afterwards. Yeah, no, so, I, that's exactly what I think of. So it's just a manipulation of overload is all it really is. All right, so we're going to be at uh, Bone Frog on Friday. You're coming, right? 
Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm yeah. excited. I've, I've never done anything other than a Spartan, so um, it should be interesting for sure. I am too. I'm very excited about it because, number one, I really like what these guys are doing. I yeah. think I think the Bone Frog organization being basically put together by some retired and even active Navy SEALs. I mean, who knows better about suffering and causing people to be challenged than Navy SEALs, right? Yeah, exactly. And plus, I'm I'm very excited about the fact that I'm going to help to support their event. And I I think that, I think everybody should. I mean, when you look at these events that sometimes they're raising money for a cause, I think this is a function of really giving back. These guys do a lot for us and people take it for granted, I think, a little bit too often. And and obviously enough, because my son's military and special ops, it's uh, it's very close to me. And so I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I have a lot of um, military in my family as well. And it's amazing, um, like you said, to, to support their race series. I mean, they're not as um, widespread as Spartan. So I, I've been bummed out, actually, that I've missed their races in the past. So I'm really excited that they're coming to New Jersey and um, – then your clinic the day before hopefully will give us some good practice out on the course and on their obstacles, which I've heard are really, really cool. So there's a lot of them too. Yeah. So many like double Spartan for the same distance. Right. Yeah. yeah well, we're going to play on the obstacles. Uh, I've got carte blanche that day before and um, Brian Carney, who is the uh, CEO for bone frog is going to come out and help us kind of get comfortable with some of the obstacles. So, for anyone competing in the event, having this opportunity to have somebody work on their run skills before they race the morning before and then have a chance to be obstacle proficient, learn what to do to get better at those obstacles, they're going to have a decisive advantage over the – so it should almost be illegal, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, no, it, it's a huge advantage for yeah. sure. And there's going to be a lot of folks out there from the East Coast that I work with. Uh, so I'm, I'm aside from the fact that I hate traveling, this is going to be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a great group. We yeah. have a lot of good East Coast people. Well, Callie, obviously enough, thank you for coming on and, and sharing your experience with us. And uh, I'm going to see you in a couple days. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It's been awesome. You're going to be famous now. I, I know. I'm, it's an honor, right? <laughs> no, the honor's mine. I mean, you're you're famous, right? You're, you're the uh, athlete extraordinaire coming up, you know, the young... The young gun. The young gun. I love it. Do you like that? I love it. Yeah. I think that was uh, you and VJ coined that term. Yeah. I think it's stuck. I like it a lot. Yeah. The the young guns. And I think that's uh, that I'm I'm looking in the future, you know, I'm looking at the young guns and think about this. All right. I started with the sheriff and now I'm working on the young guns. There we go. I like it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thanks, Callie. I'll talk to you soon. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.